Gaming NBS episode 332 being recorded Monday, March 8th, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad you're all here. Sean, how the hell are you, man? Doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not too bad. I feel like I'm echoing. Am I echoing to you? I feel like you are echoing echo. on my end, but I don't know why. Why is that? I have an idea. Maybe I can uh, fix that. I have to change nothing. But anyway, while you're monkeying around, um, I'll tell you what, man. Let's see here. I got in. Had some fun gaming this last weekend. Uh, buddy ran the um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, the Undermountain campaign. Got back into that. Yeah. Um, that that was a lot. Of, it was a huge freaking brawl against some drow. Um, escaped by the skin of our teeth, as they would say. It was tough. I think we're we're beat down out of spells and have have been beat down out of spells for quite some time. We can't seem to find a place to rest. <laughs> Every time we all right, we hold up here. Somebody comes and kicks on us. It was tough. Super tough. And then on Saturday, I had um, my local friends here over. Um, it's basically we don't go to work, we don't see anybody except each other. <laughs> and some of us have already been uh, the vac- vaccines are hitting some of some of our crew because of um, their medical stand- status and stuff. So, but anyway, I got to play. Um, I don't know if I, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I had an ogre army back in the day for Warhammer Fantasy. Ogre and ogre. Oh, yeah, it's for Warhammer Fantasy. My buddy Beta, who uh, I had sold it to, he said, "Well, you're back in town. You want to buy it back?" I'm like, "You're goddamn right, I do." So I got my ogre army back. Save that out. Got to do six, three for saves. How's it going? Oh three yeah, saves. Three, three ups, three up for saves, so on and so three forth. Ups. Yeah, yeah. Gotta... We did well. It was uh, it was a hell of a good battle. It was a lot of fun. So that was uh, most of Saturday because the wife and kids were gone, so I had the whole house to hang out and do stuff with. So it was nice. Any nice. gaming for you since we talked last? I uh, I played in Harrigan's uh, White White Lies. Remember what that is, song, Brett? White Lies. I'm I'm forgetting it on it's purpose. An old um, 80s song. Yes, I know. What what is that game? I know nothing about this game. White Lies is an espionage game. It's uh, okay. good people doing bad things, and I was accompanied by oh Mr. Wayne and Mr. Ryan, Mr. Blake Ryan. Cool. And uh, we. We had a doctor that was um, that we rendezvoused with who got killed, and then we tracked down. He was going to share some secrets with us from a corporation, and then ah. we found the corporation was doing some evil stuff. So we infiltrated it. Yeah, it's full action, high action, high octane. Actually, very eloquent, ele- elegant system. Actually, it's a uh, kind of OSE. Um, I think okay. a white box uh, influenced. So a lot of D six. In order to um, to resolve some things like, oh, you know, I want to do this. Well, just give me a D6 roll and uh, target number four, you know, up or down, one or two, depending yeah, on the difficulty. Yeah, roll low, roll high. All right, yeah. cool. Very nice. Yeah, so that was fun. Played in Hobbs' little fantasy gaming on, well, yesterday, which of this recording <laughs> oh, that's right. would be Sunday. Yeah. Right loud. That was yesterday. Yep, that was, that was good. And uh, I think that was it since I last spoke to you. Oh, I did crack out uh, Space Hulk. I have the uh, board game. It was a redone <clears throat> board game. I can't remember what version it is, but I pulled that out. AJ had been wanting to play it and uh, set it up in the game room here at the house and 
played through it and we remembered how difficult it is to be the space brains if you don't use the right tactics because I smoked him. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just play Gene Steelers. It's easy. He's like, oh, I want to play Space Marines. I want the guns. I'm like, all right, cool. It'll be fine. Crunch. He's like, oh, wow, that was that was fast. <laughs> like, all right, we'll try it again. <laughs> so I'm going to take another, another, uh, another crack at it. Oh, and then I played. Did I play? Yeah, nobody play. Oh, I did play Forbidden Lands. I'm sorry, oh, guys. Oh, They're cool. like, hey, man, what about Forbidden Lands? I forgot. You prick. I said, I that, go, that, the game you've been talking about, the bragging on, that game. My there? memory goes back like three days. If you know, that, anything if further, that. it's like, his wife it reminds like, him every week. Or, his, yeah, his wife has to remind him every Friday that they're still married. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough. It's, crazy. it's a calendar, calendar reminder. <laughs> How'd that go? Good? It was It was good. Uh, so <laughs> they, Harrigan's character went to hunting and uh, failed hunting in and mishap so his character got stuck into a a trap and the bunny hopped away and so he yelled for the rest of the party that came to save him uh, her uh, out of the trap and uh i had him i had him tormented by the bunny so the bunny showed up the next morning while they see while he sat there he had to whip out his bow and, and hit the bunny so that was that was I'll that. Tell you, man, the, the stories I get out of you is like the the results of the of the game sound awesome, but every time you'll share something like, "Hey, this is how the game works," I keep going. Ugh, I don't know if I want to do that. And they ran into an ogre. Yeah, kicked their Kirk, ass. Did it? Kirk, was it Kurge? Kirch? Kurge? Krug? 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 Krug Something. the ogre, yeah. Right. He was walking around, and he kind of tailed them for a little bit. They didn't really notice him, and uh, he wasn't really doing much. He had a, a big bag with a guy in it. <laughs> and so they bargained with him a little bit. They gave him some of the rabbit uh, for the guy. And he's like, all right, threw him the guy, and then they interrogated uh, the guy. And They got lucky. The dude's worth more. He's got more meat on him than a rabbit. He was one of the, the Rust brothers, which is not a very... Uh, a lot of people don't like the Rust Brothers. They they indoctrinate you by force into their religion. Oh. Yeah. That's how they roll. Like, hey, do you like the Rust Brother? You're like, hey, are you part of following the you know Rust? And No, no interest. Oh, whack, 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 yeah. whack, whack. There you are. Yep. Yep, pretty much. So they, they took nice. care of him. They nice. had to make a – so in Coup de Gras, I mentioned this to Brett. And he's like, hey, I don't know if I'd j- jam on that. But in Forbidden Lands, you had to roll the uh, – the empathy. Yeah, you have you have a mechanic that tells you whether or not you have agency. Yeah, um, it's not empathy. <laughs> it's something else. You got to roll. Yeah, and uh, if you you fail, of have, a lot of games have stuff like that. I'm, I'm picking yeah. on Sean. Yeah, a lot of games have stuff like that. That's fine. So they they fricasheed the guy, and that was kind of nice. so. We'll see what uh, happens in a couple weeks with those Yahoos. Cool. Yeah. Let's see here. Other than that, man, uh, anything new, crazy? We've still got plenty of games going on. In, um, like in, 47 in the games listed on yeah. the spreadsheet. If you go to gamingnbs.com forward slash games, it'll take you to a forum post that'll list kind of the details of what we're talking about. But yeah, there's, you know, I've got one on there for Savage Worlds. I think I've got for Forget About It. And I think I have three or four people. I need five to run it. I really do for that one. Because if you don't, then there's one person missing, and then the the one relationship well, the whole, that ties. The whole setup up. isn't there, right? It's yeah. it's built, it's custom built for that. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I have that up on the docket. I've got 
Star Wars, which I probably can for this week. I got to let Mr. Saul's Weedle know and those that might be interested. But I'm going to like strictly more one shots and offering those. And because uh, I'm going to be picking up a longer term, I think, Delta Green game with my local group here. Cool. Very it'll cool. be virtual, but it'll be, I mean, it's the guys I used to game with at Docs, the Stars Without Number gang. But they've nice. they're decided to, hey, man, we're going to play some Delta Green. You up for it? We're going to rotate GMs. I'm like, yes, please. Very cool. So. Very cool. Yeah, this coming week is uh, Thursday is my Greyhawk game. Friday is uh, Horror on the Orient Express, Call of Cthulhu, my buddy Lenny's game. And then Saturday is Access Monday, my World of Darkness game. So that'll be fun. I just picked Three up. Three days um, of back-to-back. To I back. picked up. I picked up Black Sites from for Delta Green recently. It's mm. the new RPG arrival for me. Blacks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I still love the fact that the guy in that cover looks mysteriously like you. In the right somebody, light. did you say that or somebody no, else? No, somebody else did, and I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it's dead right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't. I like cannot confirm nor deny. When you that Dennis Detweiler thought this is what Sean Kelly looks like when he's going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he painted you up. Something All right. Like that. Shall we move on? Random Encounter? Yeah, let's go to Random Encounter and get this yes. thing away. Let's move away from this other nonsense. Random Encounter, segment of the show where we feel voicemails, uh, comments for social media and the forums. First one up is a voicemail from Chris Schwab. Hey, Brett and Sean, it's Chris Schwab. How you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I haven't listened to the end of the episode yet, I, which is the way I usually roll. Sorry about that. Uh, but I was uh, commenting on your point about starts, uh, slow burns, and, you know, <laughs> I uh, I was reminded of my first uh, time I ran Dungeon World, and that uh, I started with the hot start. The guys were basically walking across, I said, hey, you guys are walking across a rope bridge, across a chasm, and all of a sudden these goblins come out from behind you and are chopping down the, chopping down the rope bridge. What do you do? And that was, and then we kind of walked it back after a couple, you know, a little bit of combat and things smaller to slow down. I said, okay, well now why were you on that bridge? You know, what was going on? But that was, I did a kind of a hot start there. On the flip side, Apocalypse World, you know, same with the same system, it almost explicitly says, hey, start with a regular day in the life in this post-apocalypse of each of the characters. Have them walking around the environment, describing things, uh, making stuff up. And then stuff starts to go sideways, and then you play through, play from there. So I think that, you know, both are useful, but the hot start with my Dungeon World game, that was really fun. And, the, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while, and uh, the guys immediately, the whole crew immediately got into it, and they were super excited for that game. So, anyways, uh, that's it. Take care, bye. <laughs> Thanks for the update, Chris. Sweet. I think that I think that's a cool. I, I do think some games we talked about this in the episode. I think, or at least tried to, is that some games do lend themselves potentially better to one or the other. And so far as like he's saying, Chris is saying, Apocalypse World's saying specifically, "Hey, we think as the author authors, this is a really good way to do this game type of deal." So yeah, I like that, and I like the idea of starting out on a rope bridge and then uh, not roll for initiative, but you're on a rope bridge. Way, way across. Oh, yeah, everything's cool. Right, good. Goblins show up. They start hacking on the rope bridge. They're like, ah, that's that's a different kind of peril. It's not like, ah, well, it's just goblins. got to fight these goblins. It's 
do I fight the goblin? Do I get off the bridge? How do I? <laughs> that's that's a pretty perilous encounter, man. I like that. That's a good setup. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. Sean, I'll let you read the first one. Righty then. Jerry G writes into us. Hey there, gents. It's been a hot minute since I've jumped into the fray. Love the hot starts and versus slow burn topic. Thought I'd toss something out there. At last game, Holcon, I was slated to run a one-shot, which was published slash homebrew hybrid that I began that began with the scenario as follows. It's been a long night, but you all managed to track down the real killer who framed your crew for the murder of the Great House's courier. The battle has been hard and taxing, but so far, you've managed to keep up your health. So far, that is, roll for initiative. I handed out pre-gen character sheets, all with one level of exhaustion, Ooh. and the spellcasters with half of the slots used. Well, scratch that, the blizzard that day kept the entire table from showing up. Yeah, I remember that game Hulkan. We had a pretty nasty snow, and it did slow a number of people down. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, good times. Thanks, weather. Hey, thanks, Wisconsin weather. <laughs> Yay! Look, Love you. Yeah. <laughs> Details aside, I have also been listening to the High Rollers podcast run-through of the Curse of Strahd. This also goes to the discussion about the stakes in 5e not being high enough to provide enough challenge for the DM or to the player. The DM in that campaign rarely allowed a legit long rest for the players to recover their slots and all their goodies. I tend to believe it to be completely okay to convey at a session zero or some such that it is entirely possible for players to end up over their heads in this campaign, regardless of the system or game you're playing, and running is always an option. I do have one quick question for you guys, as this is something I love about Eberron. Aberrant Dragon Marks. I groove on the potentially limitless opportunities for roleplay with one member of the party having a magic power store uh, they simply cannot control. Is this something you'd care to implement in a game you're running? Loving the show. Keep them coming. Jury. Jerry, I got to tell you, man. So first off, that sucks. You didn't get a chance to run that game because that's, uh, that's a killer opening. I love it. Um, but I And I do agree with your second point. I think um, a session zero or however you do it, getting it through to the players... And folks like, look, you could get in over your head. That's on you. You know, I, I'm not going to make sure that everything is perfectly balanced at all times. If you get in over your head through your actions, yeah, you might have to run away. Running is an option. You might need to flee. You might need to go to ground. It's the thing you got to do. Now, Sean, I don't know jack about Eberron or Aberrant Dragon Marks, but I can tell you anytime I have had a party member with a magical power store they can't control... Uh, or something along those lines, it has always gone to shit on me. It isn't, um, it's never really <clears throat> worked out. I, and this is goofy, I, I think, for my group, my home group that I usually play with. And so far as we normally don't care much for balance, oh, this is cool, that's cool, or whatever. But for some reason, whenever I've introduced something like that in the past, there has been an almost palpable, that's unfair. How come he's got that and I don't? <laughs> Type of type of feeling. I don't know why. It could be simply how I'm reading uh, reading the table. It's also been a very very. I want to say, ten years since I've tried to do something like that. So we've all changed a lot in ten years. So I could probably give it another go. But have you when you run Aberon? Have you ever done this? The Aberrant Dragon Marks thing, or yeah. So for those that aren't in the loop, the Aberrant Dragon Mark is kind of a it it 
it's a bit more dangerous and destructive um, form of dragon marks. Dragon marks are a lot of people call them tattoos that show up on on a person and manifest on the person. Um, so the displaying of one and how and it's manifest, um, I guess, could be related to a tattoo. Regardless, I haven't. It's been a long time since I've run Eberron, like a very long time. Um, so having somebody in the party that has an aberrant dragon mark, I, it wouldn't bother me. It's part of the setting. I would in, embrace it. Like that's kind of the deal for Eberron. Um, I don't have a problem with it being destructive or dangerous. That's the nature of it. Got it. Um, and it appears regardless of bloodline. So typically what happens is when you have a dragon mark, you're choosing usually during character gen that you're, hey, I have a dragon mark. And that dragon mark's associated with a house, and then that house is associated with doing certain things, like specializing in messaging, specializing in, right, certain certain things. Um, and so it's it's a little different than the rest of them because it's 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 kind of a wild one. So going, but if it, you but were it's to, so it's so baked into the setting. Yes. Right. Then that it's kind of like, like it saying, sense. well, I think my problem has been trying to bolt it into something where. And not bake it in, baking it in at all the right levels or appropriately. That's probably where I went wrong. That's so, if Jerry, said. if you're if you're asking, like, I mean, so take Aberon and the Aberon Dragon Mark aside, and if you were to say, well, if you had this kind of magical power, maybe it's just Brett decides that player character is kind of a wild card, and when it comes to magic, and that character, the player is like, cool, that'd be cool. I'm down with that. You know, DCC comes to mind, even though it's baked into the setting itself, you know, maybe they have a, a higher mishap chance of something going awry. I think as long as you have a player character that embraces it and a DM that can handle it, you know, in short, I, I don't have any problems with it. Like I said, my problems were 10 plus years ago, and I think it would probably, another way to go about it, and again, I'm just off the top top of my head shooting from the hip here jerry but like if if everyone has them they just don't know so you, you could drop it in later you know brett and sean's character's doing this sean goes blam what the hell was that i guess i have a uh, well holy crap look at that look what i can do type of thing it's almost that um uh x-men latent mutant i didn't know i could do that you know holy crap i can fly <laughs> type of superpower thing where it's like this rando or like seemingly randomly attached thing that hits your character and then that also gives your characters a reason to hang out together two three four players one of the reasons all the characters are together is they all have this thing right and is that a good thing to have or is it and they're all very similar. They're not connected to a house. Is this a threat? Is it whatever? You know, who sees it as such? So then there's a target on them, be it a good target, a bad target, whatever. But now they are the focus of machinations that they may or not may not want to be. So, if you were if you were to uh, another approach too, um, Jerry would be if you implement this into like a regular D and D game or whatever, um, you could have the player as they grow get a better grasp of that like oh yeah understand it better and then it doesn't become as wild and crazy so when they start out maybe their chances of it going awry are much higher and then as they grow to understand the power of the magics they can they can keep that and wield it in a more responsible manner because they become the master of that domain 
that's a something that would also be a story arc, which also prevents the player character from going, it started out really cool, but every time I'm casting a spell, it's failing and it's like, I'm not, you know, it's always this pain in my ass now, yeah. even after five levels. Now you can kind of implement, well, now it's getting better and you decrease the chances of it going to shit. And you could also, that's where you can do for comic book fans, you can do the Dark Phoenix piece too, where things start to go to shit on you. Wow, this is really good. Wow, now when I do it, it hurts my friends. Now when I do it, I take three levels of exhaustion when I do it because it's too powerful. I can't seem to control this thing. How do I figure that out? That's a story arc potentially in and of itself. A lot of cool stuff to do there. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks Thanks for writing in, Jerry. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks for listening. Let's see here. What's next? Ah, uh, yes. There we are. Oh, Christ. I lost my lost my thing there. Ah, ah Matt H. There he is. Matt H. Email. Less about published in homebrew. Good morning, Britton Sean. Thank you for discussing the topic of uh, written versus homebrew adventures and taking the time to explain a few different ways to try to work character development and freedom of choice into written adventures. I meant to write a response after first listening to the episode, but hearing other BSers' feedback, especially how many felt that running written adventures was more difficult for them, and Brett saying that anyone who put down DMs for running written adventures is not being legitimate should go kick rocks. It's <laughs> just what I needed to hear. I guess what it comes down to, as always, is it depends. Yeah, got a fan, Sean. Um, some people are going to prefer one approach and some another. And as long as everyone's having a good time, they're doing it right. I think my main issue with having consumed too much media telling me the quote-unquote right way to play was homebrewing a game specifically to the characters created by the players and basing everything around them which is very hard to do with a written adventure and made me feel like I was missing something. When I do realize there's no right way to play, I'm starting a new game and trying to implement this approach. I think my players are already freaked out with the responsibility of having to create a backstory and a goal for their PCs and might want to jump back onto the railroad before long, but we'll see how it goes. I've given them some freedom to create a world uh, we'll be playing in and this resulted in them starting in a tavern called Tits and Ass. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so tell, Matt. Which I quickly adorned with a donkey and a bird out front. <laughs> Smart. We're certainly off the tracks already. Again, thanks for taking my topic. Wish me luck, Matt. P.S. Sean, sounded like before I talked to Phil about Forbidden Lands, you intended on running it homebrewed, but when he mentioned he was running Raven's Purge, you might have been swayed. Now that you're up and running, what are you going to do? Uh, so that's a good question, Matt, and I don't want to divulge too much because I probably have maybe one or two people listening to this that might get the drop, but no, I can, I can divulge. Forbidden Lands is nice where, so you could take the map of Forbidden Lands, plop it down, and then you can do whatever the hell you want with it because even if you give the characters the map, it doesn't mean anything on it's accurate. So you can change the whole map if you want it to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use the map for Forbidden Lands. What the difference is with Raven's Purge and the the home campaign is really not a, a, a ton. Um, because Forbidden Lands runs on lore, sites, and artifacts, it's not, it's not a story arc. So in Raven's Purge, there is an overlying kind of thing that ties everything together. But I know people that are running Raven's Purge that they aren't aware of those dots connecting, right? Oh, it's, okay. Because what you're doing is you're adventuring and you're going to a site and you're exploring that. And what do you find in the site? Well, you find this. Great. 
what do you do with it? Well, I don't know what it is. Okay, they put it in their in their pocket, right? So they go and they travel and they travel some more. Maybe they come across some NPCs and those NPCs are looking for something and might be the something that they they found. Great. If the players don't put those two things together, it, it doesn't really matter. But they're no, still I playing. I haven't seen a withered mummified hand. I don't know right. what I don't know what you're talking about. So they're still playing and they're still going. Yes. But you don't. It doesn't really matter unless the player characters put it all together. So there's not. Yes, there is a thing going on in the world, mm-hmm. but it isn't a storyline. I would say as traditional as here. I'm going to pull Rhyme of the Frost Maiden off the shelf or Curse of Strahd off the shelf, and then you've got all this kind of background, and then you're kind of, you know, the people are starting in, and those things are all going to become part of it. It's really kind of. There are some similarities, but it's not. Raven's Purge isn't like a D and D module. I okay. would say, right? There's some players. They have like an NPC list. There is something that is going on, and then there are sites. So there's additional sites that expand the game master sites in the game master's book. And then, you know, you drop kind of the lore here and there. And so if you take the NPCs and you tell the player characters like what the NPCs are NPCs are doing. And the sites divulge more, and then the player characters can put it all together. Then great, but they—I mean, I could run Raven's Purge, and these guys would never know. Like they very, would never know. It's a very sand. From what I'm hearing from you, it's a very sandboxy, very play, much. Pl- player desire driven. Right? If they don't give two shits, they don't. Which actually threw off my buddy Alpha running the uh, the, the Undermountain campaign. Is he's like, you know, what you're supposed to do in this is come up get jobs go back like we're lost dude we we've been lost for like 10 sessions we've we've decided to do something totally different we're now the world's greatest mercenaries that live in undermountain that's our job he's like what that's that's our thing we've made up our own rules this is what we're doing because you know it just uh, turning out that way yeah and i should stipulate too right with with matt like if i give them as a game master, if they if they go to the next hex and then they come across a site, which is a site is defined as either a, vig- a village, a town, a dungeon, some kind of structure, right? Mm. Tower, whatever. Maybe a little bit more robust. There's, I know one in the game master's guide's got a lot of things going on. But if I just give them that and they come across it, whatever happens, happens. Like they can it's, choose it, to ignore it, engage with it. I mean, I I could run Raven's Purge and do everything kind of by what they outline, and these guys could give might end up giving two shits about what the actual major component is. And as the game master in Forbidden Lands, I don't hammer that down, right? It's not like, hey, there's Ravenloft on the hill, and there's a cursed, Str- you know, there's Strahd roaming around and doesn't like the countryside. Yep, that's fine. We're going to explore this other stuff. Like, we don't want to deal with the vampire or whatever. Yeah. And that's great, but that's that's the deal with Forbidden Land. So it is a different type of game, and I've 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 told Brett that too. We've told him like, hey, this is cool, and he's like, I don't know if I'd like that. And I'm like, yep, it's it's completely different from some of the stuff that's out there. So, and to be fair, I would rather I'd try it before sure. I buy it, type of thing, just to yeah. see if I would wouldn't like it. Now, one of the things that before we jump off of Matt's piece here, uh, our last little bit of feedback was he said this piece uh, this caught my attention he said i think my players already are already freaked out with the responsibility of having to create a backstory and a goal for their pcs and might want to jump back onto a railroad 
I think that's actually, Matt, that's really insightful on your part. I think that's that's smart thinking. Because if you see players, you're like, hey, I want to do this homebrew thing, make this, I want to do a intensive mining your backstories, give me all this great data, and I'll build this cool storyline. It'll be great. We'll do this all together. And some players may be like, well, hang on. Can I give you one idea? I, I don't know. I don't want to write this. I, I, You know, not every group, and Sean and I have talked about this before on and off mics, is not every group likes that stuff. And some groups want to play um, Curse of Strahd as written. They're like, yeah, I just want to go in there and do it. I just want to play the uh, Scum and Villainy adventure set, and I don't want... I, I want to make my character, by the rules, do the thing, and I want to play the adventure. I don't want to do the rest of it. Much like you were just saying with Raven's piece. It's like, look, I'm just gonna. we're just going to play Forbidden Lands. We're going to roam around because this is fun. You know, and they don't give a shit about a big plot or something happening. So <clears throat> I think that's some of where the power of the the written published adventures are is that it sets a tone. People know what they're in for. When you're playing Dungeon Crow Classics and it says, hey, you know, it's, you know, Death Incarnate or, you know, the Wizards Tribunal or whatever it is, like, up, oh, there's a DCC adventure. I'm here to play Dungeon Crow Classics. Let's adventure. Let's go. Yeah. Right. And, uh, it's not that that game cannot have all of those things. You can absolutely have all of those things in that game. You can do it in almost every game I know. But um, a lot of people that I'm aware of that sit down to play aren't really digging into all that crazy backstory. It's more kind of as it comes up or whatever. So, now again, no right or wrong, as Matt said. I just want to call that out, that I think that's insightful on your part, Matt. That's smart to see that in your crew. And um, it may be... You might have to like downshift, right? Instead of going full bore into this huge, deep um, homebrew game specific to characters uh, created with backstory and everything around them, you might need to dial it back. You never know. And that's smart. That's smart that you're noticing that. And it'll be wicked smart. And the players will think this is amazing when you're like, you know what? And you shift gears on them. They're like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. You want to go back to a little bit of railroad? Oh, you want to dive back off of it a little bit, a little scenery, and back and off and back. You can totally do that stuff, man. Good stuff. I would say, I would say, Matt, on the background thing, don't, don't force it and don't get crazy. Like if you get the character that runs up three back, the three pages, great. If you get a person that's struggling, just have them do a sentence. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. don't because what's going to happen is you're you're going to be like me. Hey, I need some cool backstory. Come up with some info so I can sink my teeth into it and cater the the adventure to you. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have two, maybe out of four or five of your players come up short or not care or not do it, and you're going to get pissed off. So if yeah, you just lower, yeah, if you don't, if you lower your expectations and just say, hey, even if it's like two or three sentences, like wh who you are, where you came from, and what you were doing before the, yep. the campaign starts, and that's enough. Great. There's many people that will argue don't bring one up at all and just as play provides things and they get to fifth level, then their backstory is everything from fourth level back. Right. And sometimes people don't know what their goals are, and re rightfully so, because some folks want the goals to come up in what's going on. So my buddy Lenny, my Greyhawk game, has a goal. He's got shit he wanted to do. He hit me with it. The other guys didn't. They're like, ah, I really don't know. So we've laid a lot of track. They're on different rails off here, going there, doing this, sightseeing, engage with Mordenkainen, figuring this shit out. And now I'm going to ask them on Thursday, what are your goals, guys? We're at a certain point here. I know what Lenny's up to, and I know what some of you are thinking, 
But do you, apart from accomplishing the current task, what else are you as a character, Nick? What are you, Zave, Alpha? And go through the crew and um, have them give me some stuff. And sometimes that's very helpful because once the players have gone through a couple sessions, a half dozen sh- sessions, depending, they may be like, yes, I now have a goal. And sometimes you'll hear that goal. They're like, man, you know what we should do? We should buy an in. Is that something you guys really want to do? You hear that, react to it. Let them know that you're listening to them. You know what? We could be lords of this of this countryside. If we took that keep over, huh, we just cleaned out all the orcs. Man, this would make a good base of operations. Is that something you guys want to do? Because we can work with that. You know, when people throw ideas at you of goals and then react immediately like that's a thing. If you want to do that, I'm here to help facilitate that that whole piece of your adventure. That could be fun. So anyway, Matt, good luck, man. And uh, as I said, very insightful on your part. Good stuff. Looking Ready, forward sir? to an update, Matt. Hell yeah. Let's get into the main topic, yo. Let's do it. Brett. All right. So Ray Otis hit me with this one. He said, since Sean has been unloading stuff, talking about collecting, curating, and culling your collection, what mentalities do you both have regarding regards to stuff you keep versus stuff you toss? Restrict it to the physical. It's too easy to have everything in PDF. <laughs> that makes the conversation muddy. <laughs> Unless you really want to get into that. But yeah, I think we're going to keep it to the physical if we can. Um, and uh, he also said, don't give me that fake Zen shit about holding on holding your hand to ask you if it brings you joy, which actually is kind of funny and I think might be helpful in the discussion partly. Um, he also says, hey, you know, what about regret? Things you let go that you may have regretted letting go, things you won't because you're worried about regretting and so on. Kind of top shelf, pride shelf, <clears throat> what three linear feet of books we never ditch no, for whatever reason, nostalgia, all that stuff. So, so Sean, you and I have both over the last couple of years talked on the show bragged on the show practically like hey i got rid of this hey i'm moving i got rid of this shit i got rid of some of my stuff by sending it to joe swick <laughs> i got rid of other stuff by sending it to other friends of mine i've sold some stuff i've given shit away and you know part of it i think we have said this before sometimes we take a look at our collection and you say i'm never going to play this and i think it's easy is that's a Easy step. You go, I'm never going to play this thing. And you pull it off. However, there's still a couple games in my collection that I don't think I'm ever going to play anymore. But I, I just can't let them go, which is, <laughs> you know, some of the nostalgia piece. I've got all this vampire stuff, all this white wolf original stuff. I'm like, man, can I let that go? Because every time I pick one up, I'm like, oh, man, I have this. Memory, this wonderful memory flashback. So, before we get into the nostalgia reasons, um, Sean, do you have a key? Can when you look at your collection, like, I boy, I'm running out of books, I'm running out of space. Sometimes, quite frankly, that hits us all. Um, I'm very fortunate. I bought a new, I've got a slightly bigger house than I had before. I have more space to fill full to fill up with shit. <laughs> However, I'm trying to be smarter about it and not just buy linear feet of books. You know, oh, wow, there's a deal on old Dragon magazines. I'll take them all. Why Why am I doing that? You know? So, Sean, what's the what's the main reason you get rid of something in your game? RPG, physical stuff. What's the main reason you're getting rid of it? So my take on this topic is that it is not a gaming thing. 
It's not a gaming thing. I don't. So I don't explain, believe, explain yourself further. Not. A I don't believe. Thing. I don't believe this is a gaming thing. I think it is because we are gamers mm-hmm. and we like buying gaming books, and that we find that as as a personal interest and passion of ours. But I think hanging on to them, uh, it, it it could be anything. Like I could say I love to sew, and I could have sewing shit everywhere. Right. I love to scrapbook. I've got scrapbooking stuff everywhere. So it's not. There it's is the a hobby uh, component, right? I believe at one point, I don't know if it's still the case, one of our BSers can correct me if I don't remember, but bibliophilia was the only hobby that was also listed as a mental illness. Oh, interesting. <laughs> at one point, or at least closely connected. I don't know if that's still true or not. But So I, my, and I think I mentioned this prior on a different episode, but my reason for getting rid of stuff. So I had I came I came to a crossroads. I I live in a relatively sm- small place. Mm-hmm. I would say, Brett's been to my place. It's the rooms are relatively small. I mean they're like ten by ten, twelve by ten. So they're there's, not huge. There's two of you. There's two of you. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. just my wife and I and some pets. So having said that, I came to a crossroads where I could get another bookshelf that would span an entire wall, and I could load that up. Yep. You and then you I could. could maybe get rid of a. Uh, a smaller bookshelf. So more more bookshelf, you know, two units, buy a four-unit one, get rid of a two-unit one. Yeah. Or I could just get rid of freaking books and that get this big, huge, honking bookshelf that's going to take up more space in in this area, actually, where I'm sitting. And that's what I did. And so when I did that, I looked at shit that I was like, and, and going to what Brett was saying, there's some low-hanging fruit, right? It's... Mm-hmm. I've had this, like, I have, you know, kooky RPG title insert here, a book that, you know, nobody plays. It was a, you know, Kickstarter I got in on and it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. And nobody's interested in playing this thing. You know, name, name, whatever that is. I don't know. Because the minute I name the title, somebody's going to be like, oh, I love that game. (laughs) Um, But those are easy because you're just like picking them up. I have villains and vigilantes in my bookshelf. Like that's from a friend of mine who we lost in like gambling and I've kept it and it's old and it's the original and I haven't tossed it because it's, I kind of think of it as not really mine. So I kept it. Yep. But other than that, like I don't, I'm never going to play villains and vigilantes. I gave Brett like star frontiers. I found in a thrift store for like, Nine bucks. All the chits weren't even touched. Oh yeah, it's a wonderful copy. I like Star Frontiers. I've actually I actually run that periodically. Sean's so. never gonna play Star Frontiers. Like, Brett, so when, when you say in never gonna six play, six years, Brett's never come to me and said, you know, I've always wanted to run Star Frontiers. Sean, would you be in? Yeah, yeah. You know, in six years, all the yeah. BSers have never come to me and said or posted and said, hey, I'm running Star Frontiers. Would you be in? Yeah. Boom! Got to get rid of that shit. So when you when you say you're never going to play it, is that because are you looking at it saying you have no more interest in it anymore, or you legitimately say this doesn't even sound like fun? I don't. I think it was such an impulse buy for that one specifically, but I think it's it's goes to I, I don't have any interest in it. It could be a variety of things. Could be <clears throat> I don't have interest in it. I read it. It wasn't something that I wanted to grok like mash. Powered by the apocalypse, cool. Love the love the game. Love the Kickstarter. Love the yep. concept. Get it. Read it. Bleh. Not sure how I'm going to get this to the table. Like it's literally playing Mash, the TV show, and not the sh- the show, not the TV part. Like that. You know, that, that's show. kind of what hit me with. Um, I've talked about this a little bit on the mice because, uh, but when I got into Invisible Sun, 
Black Cube. I was Kickstarter backer, spent way too much money on it. I got it. I started reading it. I tried to read it three, and now five different occasions. And I'm like, I have no interest in this. There's nothing about this that's really making me go, wow. Fuck. I spent a lot of money on this thing. So I went and found somebody through Eric Frankhouse who's like a passionate fan. I took a bath on it, but I'm like, I don't care. I just want to get something out of this thing. And I want to give it to somebody who's really going to use it. Because with mint condition, I, you know, barely opened up everything in it to look at it. And I'm like, here, somebody get some use out of it. And I think for me, part of getting rid of stuff <clears throat> comes down to sometimes space. But when I look at something and say, I'm never going to play it, I look at it and say, does this even sound like fun? Do I know anyone I could play this with? And when the no's start really racking up, I'm like, well, I could probably find someone online. I could try this. <laughs> and I keep, and it comes down to a laundry list of yabbits or I could if only. And how much energy do I want to put in this game? None. Gone. I remember going to Gen Con auctions with my buddies. And I bought an obscene amount of crap for like next to nothing. Board game stuff, things that were like, oh, that's cool. Got it done. Got it done. Two dollars for that module? Okay. Fuck yeah. I'm like, wow, I have three Ghost Towers of Inverness. <laughs> Why do I have three Ghost Towers of Inverness? When's the first? When have I ever run Ghost Towers of Inverness? Get rid of two of them. All right. So I think a lot of it comes to. Uh, and some games I looked at, I'm like, I, I have tried, but I did not enjoy. That was the other one. It was like, I, I played it. My friends and I did it. And I don't play it often enough or enough fun to justify having it around. Sometimes, you know, it's a game. So one little book, Sorcerer by Ron Edwards. I had it sitting on the shelf. Long time. I've I got Spione. I, I, I bought it from Ron at Gen Con. He signed it. I had it forever. Uh, run it twice. No, actually, run a half dozen times. Kind of meh. Didn't I did not have enough fun that I ever went back through and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull that game off. That was so much fun. Could have been the players. Could have been whatever. Doesn't fucking matter. What mattered is I picked that book up as I went to pack stuff or move things around or reorganize. And I, huh. I almost forgot I had that book. I don't remember ever having enough fun with this thing that I ever want to look back at it. It's like my White Wolf stuff. My original vampire books and werewolf and mage and wraith and so on. I still like wraith a lot. That's a game I didn't play enough. I could crack that sucker out and play it. Matter of fact, uh, Dave Beatty and I keep threatening to do an online game together with that at some point. But I have enough, not only just nostalgia with it from like, boy, wasn't that fun, but I had so much fun with that stuff. I can see possibilities in it. And I believe it or not, we'll still reference it periodically. I'm like, ooh, I'm looking for an idea. I think it was in, ah, yes, I need a city. So I pull up Chicago by night. Wham. I take all the vampire names, and they're just mortals or just people I use in a Delta Green game or whatever it is. So I reskin a lot of my source books from that. So I'm like, I'm still getting value out of this. I'm still using it. This is good. I got to say, another reason I've gotten rid of stuff is because I was super pissed at the author. <laughs> I was just, I was cranky um, when the Kickstarter was done. It finally, finally fucking shows up, lands here, and I start reading it, and I can't get over the fact of how pissed off I am that it's multiple years late. It's poorly laid out. It's a beautiful book, but I just don't, I just stopped caring. 
It showed up. I just don't give a fuck anymore. Gone. Had one that I hunted down the author, talked to him on Facebook, had him send me something. It was great. So on and so forth. I paid him. It took me six months of hounding the dude to say, hey, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I gave you $75. Could you please send the book? It's not even a $75 book. You know, just please. Oh, yeah, I will. I'm so sorry. Six months of that. By the time I got it, I was so pissed. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what to do with this thing anymore. Let it sit on my shelf for a couple of years and finally gave it away. I couldn't even bring myself to sell it because I thought that'd be kind of a dick move for whatever reason, but I just had to get rid of it. So have you ever had anything like that, Sean, where you're like viscerally angry, where, where you see the game and you get upset? <laughs> uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy, so yeah, I, get, I, get a little, I get a little fired up sometimes. Fred put some emotion and heart into the RPG space. I, I, I don't think I've ever gotten ticked off about a particular uh, RPG that I've received or I bought and it didn't rise to its standards and I got ticked off about it necessarily. Um, but this is, this topic is very personal. Like oh, this it's is incredibly that's, personal. It's incredibly personal. So for me to get on a soapbox and say that I don't think it's an RPG thing, I think there's other things at play. And one of them is the nostalgia piece. There's mm-hmm. the sentimental piece. You know, some of the guys in the chat room are like, hey, I got three copies of this. I'm not going to get rid of any of them. Why? Well, it's sentimentality probably. Yeah, you know? I have, after Sean, I now have three first edition AD&D Dungeon Master's Guides. I've got three or four PHBs. Um, two on Earth Arcanas. I have the only one I have like multiples of that I'm like, why do I have multiples of that? Is it Dungeon or Survival Guide? Somewhere I ended up with three of those. And people are like, what the fuck do you have all that for? Part of it is I love this stuff, that stuff. But two is I have kids and they all like it. And I, w- I wanted to have enough so I could split up amongst my children. It is amazing to me how much feelings it's all about it's all oh about my God. feelings like it's a, when you I, say person when you say personal you're not getting it's actually it's personal feeling like i don't hear i need 3 because i'm going to run a group of 3 people and i don't want them to buy the books i'm going to hand each one of them that's that's what you tell your significant other that's right as to why you have 3 of them that's the that's, that's the, the rationale that's the that's the logic that gets right. laid on top of it oh no no i need to have 3 copies of the entire pathfinder core rulebook Unless you're because a collector. If, right. Yeah. Now, if you're a collector, we talked to Alex Cameron about this ages back, and that's a different that's a different kettle of fish in altogether, where he's looking for completeness and so on. He has a goal and a purpose and, and so on. <clears throat> and maybe we all do somewhere inside a completist or something like, hey, I want one of everything because it wouldn't it be cool. Um but there is something I mean, some of it is it's it is neat to have. There is something really cool about a wow factor when your friends come over and go, Holy shit, you have three of those? Uh, yes. Yes, sure. I do. Throw I the Joneses three. thing in there. You bet. That's totally cool. Yeah. That's totally cool. Keeping up with the Joneses, you know. Yeah. Do you have do you have your copy of the original Dark Dungeons somewhere? Somebody's like, Yeah, I do. Isn't that crazy? Where the fuck do you get that? Wow, like, this is so awesome, dude. Yeah. You own this? That's fantastic. That's cool. Oh, I remember this. Like, yeah. Man, it's, it's hard not to think that's cool, man. Yeah. yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, yeah. I got this other thing over here, too. Yeah, but it's hard, It's hard, honestly, to not... Uh, to. It is very, very personal. I think my dog oh, is going totally. nuts. got to shut that door soon. Um, <laughs> I'm like, God damn it, Jack. What are you doing? Anyway, point is, is that... I, I think 
whenever you're going to get rid of something, one of the one of the things that that is kind of funky is that when I hear somebody getting rid of something, um, I don't go, "Oh, why? That game is so good." I don't. I I maybe have done that in the past, and I've stopped doing that because of the number of reasons why somebody's doing it. Sometimes someone's selling their collection; they're selling it literally because they need the money. It's very unfortunate if it's come down to selling something that's precious to you, where you're like, "Look, I'm in a bind. I have a huge medical bill. Whatever it is, I got to sell stuff." I had a massive collection of Gru the Wanderer comic books, one of my favorite comic books ever, by Sergio Aragonas, and they're in. Marvel had them for a while and so on. It was just great. But I had to sell them because at the time I was getting divorced and I needed the money because I was moving, selling houses and doing crap. I had to get rid of a ton of comic books that I had. It sucked, you know. And when people would say, oh, why are you doing that? That stuff's so cool. It made me feel bad. Like I was somehow betraying some geek cred or doing something you know I mean, it's already been a hard decision sometimes and some people are just don't give a shit they're not attached i've had friends of mine like i don't fucking care take it, get it out of here i don't need this anymore you know but i think it is incredibly personal the sentimental value nostalgia is is very powerful and for me i think there is there's some stuff that i have realized i'm never going to play um i had i had copies of powers and perils uh, that I bought at a con. I started looking at I'm never going to play this. Oh my God, this game looks terrible. It was neat to have. I paid nothing for it, gave it away. I had a Rollmaster and uh, box set, Space Law, or excuse me, some other, one of the other books that the box sets they had. Got it for next to nothing. I'm like, huh, I'm not that huge of a Rollmaster fan. And this is like first edition. I don't even know if I really, it looks cool on a shelf, but then I realized, hey, my buddy Nick loves this shit. Because he's that guy. Nick, here you go. Happy birthday. Wow, man, that's so cool. Take it. You're going to enjoy it. And sometimes the, the raw enjoyment of seeing stuff on your shelf is just awesome. You know, when you when you look at some stuff and you have great memories and so on, that, that can be very a very strong reason to keep it. Another reason for me to get rid of stuff, dude, and I know we don't necessarily have to talk about how we organize our PDFs, but some games, I'm like, I have the PDF of this. I have electronic copy. That's good enough. If I ever really decide... That, hey, Brett decided we were going to play this game. I got rid of my copy. I still have my Blades in the Dark PDFs. I can play Blades in the Dark. You know. I'll take it one more further, man. I don't have a problem buying the book that I got rid of if I'm going to play I'm going to shut my door. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't have a problem buying a book that uh, that I actually got rid of and then decide that that, that we're going to play. But one thing... As Brett's closing his door, is that Stupid I was starting to get into. Um, I mean, I was doing at one point in time. I was looking into tiny, tiny house and minimalism and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you know, you can't be a minimalist on a bibliophile. That's not no, gonna work. not going to work too well. Pretty difficult. And you know, one of the, the rules they have when you go to, hey, we're going to go from a five bedroom house to. You know, uh, eight hundred fifty square feet. <laughs> yeah. Eight, you know, trailer. You know, house built on a trailer is you got to get rid of all your shit. And one of the ways they do that is if you haven't touched something in a year, it has to go. And it's not a bad rule because typically, I mean, I got a shirt that's in my closet. I haven't touched it a year. Why do I have that fucking shirt? I'm never gonna yeah. wear it. I look at my closet, and go. Eh. You never know I, when I'm going to go out and want to don that thing. Like Every no. year, every year, uh, when I 
because I'm working from home now, but when I'm in an office, there's a certain point where usually once a quarter or twice a year, I go and I like clean my desk, like really clean, just pick up all the papers, the stacks and shit that you've accumulated and printed out. And sometimes it's like if I go and I blow the dust off it, it goes immediately in the trash because that means I've not looked at it long enough that it's covered in dust because it was in a corner in the back of the credenza in my little stupid cubicle. What the fuck do I even have this for? Gone. There's nothing here that's important. Um, one of the things I found that that I uh, <clears throat> I tended to have a bunch of was like old character sheets and just stuff, random oh my printed God. out. Print you should have saw some of the folders that I got rid of. I got oh, like, oh, here's all these folders. I still like, have oh, your, your English paper. That's yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> For case in point. Yeah. Like I went through folders. I'm like, oh, I ran Pathfinder. Here's my all my organized play. And here's all the table tents. And here's all the organized play cards that I would give people when they showed up and mm-hmm. weren't part of organized play. I'm like, what in the hell? I got freaking campaign notes, all this bullshit. I'm like, this shit has got to freaking go. Some of it's fun to have when you read through it and you're like, oh, this is handy. I could use this. Oh, this is a thing I built. I'm going to use that. And I have a purpose for it. And part of it for me is like, what am I really going to use it? Yes, I'm reskinning this vampire setting book. That vampire setting book is gold. I'm reskinning it on a regular basis. Hey, the first edition Delta Green book. Why do I have that when I have the new Delta Green book? That's a big one. I well, as soon as Pathfinder Five E came out, I got rid of all my Pathfinder stuff and Four E. It wasn't even a question. Like, yeah, I've never gone backwards. And some people are like, oh, "But I've got First Edition AD and D, and I've got Redbox and BX, and like those are different, drastically different games." Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, but as soon as like we played Pathfinder to death, and I think it's run its cycle, and it is over for me. Like, that is gone. That's a big one. It's over for you. Like, look, I, I don't, right. I have no interest in going back to that. So, for right. me, the Delta Green original books, one, I have a couple of the source books, and they're absolutely compatible. There's not that big change. The history and some of the other stories and plots, and there's some really good data points within it that I mine. I'll go through periodically and go, what did they say about the king in yellow? Flip, flip, flip. Ah, yes, this, this, this. This is gold. So those are becoming resource books for me. I actually went through my Call of Cthulhu stuff not long ago and went, huh, why do I have... Until you get to like Call of Cthulhu 7, there's really not enough difference, in Brett's opinion, from 1 to 6. There's not that big a change in the rule set. Sure. They're, in my opinion. So I had some that I'm like, I actually have two of this. Why do I have two of this? This is stupid because I don't need it, right? Call of Cthulhu 5th and 7th tended to be the ones my friends and I play. We play 7th a little bit now and 5th. That's Those are the ones we like. So that's what I game with. And I, could, I can't see sitting down at a convention saying, hey, I'm playing Call of Cthulhu. And uh, unless I said 7th edition, everyone would just assume, oh, it kind of works like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way Cthulhu players are. Where the fuck was I going with this? But anyway, yeah, there's there's certain game systems where older versions of it, I'm like, I don't need this. I have the new thing. It's changed enough. The reason I kept the first, second, third, the multiple editions of the vampire stuff was it changed enough where, depending when I was running it, we would go through, it was core rules, and occasionally like the player's guide, because it had different powers or variation of the powers, and we would go through and, and mine that shit. You know, it was super super helpful. But you're right, if I'm playing BX or AD&D, those are two different games. 
Right. Agreed. Right? Sure. Yeah. Totally different. Totally. totally but different. even like Shadowrun, like Jimmy's a big Shadowrun guy. Fifth edition mm-hmm. comes out. He wants to run Shadowrun. We grab fifth edition. They've run fourth. They've liked fourth. I think there's sometimes when the new shiny comes out, it's a curiosity on how they fixed X and broke, you know, fixed X and elaborated on Y or whatever. And then you've come to find out that it's not better. It may be a little bit different, but why, you know, and there's some people like the dead game society guys that, I mean, they stick with older stuff because to them, there's nothing wrong with it at all. And there's no reason to go to Mm -hmm. the next thing. Like if fourth edition's working and people love it, you could play fourth edition Shadowrun or insert whatever game old edition forever. forever. Like there's yes. so much material out there now. But <clears throat> for whatever reason we pick it up and it's like, ooh, we gotta check this out and it's gonna be a better experience because they fixed grappling. Really? <laughs> Maybe, you know, I don't and know. I CMB, that, that's, you know. That's the other reason why I pick certain games where I'm like what piece of this game did I like? My friends that I enjoyed. Um, was that enough that we'd ever want to play it again? And sometimes the answer is no. Well, quite frankly, I ran Dungeon Crow Classics for my crew, and I had a couple people went, meh, they weren't too fond of it. Wasn't now, their jam. Yeah. Wasn't really their jam. That said, no one has told me, don't you ever dare bring that fucker to the table again. Matter of fact, I brought up this last Saturday with my team. They're like, yeah, you know what? We should probably, that'd be good. We should do another one. That'd be funny. Something different. There is so, a bit of freshness. Like there's like. So, yeah, there's a, hey, there's a, wow, that was fun. Well, yeah, that's right. This crazy fucking thing with the weird charts. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> right. You know. Now, um, I like Warhammer First Edition Fantasy Roleplay. It is a poorly organized amalgamation of rules and things. I like it. I know the book really well. I can find my way around it. My buddy Alpha was like, hey, I got the newer one. Oh my God, this is really good. And I said, I'm not buying it until you run it. And I, <laughs> I decide if I like it or not, right? And I don't know if I... I don't know. That That is a game where I could conceivably get rid of the old stuff just if the new one is smarter, better, faster, cleaner enough to really wow the crap out of me i just don't know if it is we'll find out when i when he runs it but i think some of it for me too when i went through my collection is like blades in the dark i'm like i'm getting rid of this and i'm like i have pdfs done i actually have all the pdfs of uh, invisible sun yet because i got those as being kickstarter i'm like look i have these i have all this stuff if i really really want to do it i could do this if i really wanted to mine the books for resource on something i have all that I got rid of a shit ton of GURP stuff. I'm like, the GURPS edition that I played is the one I kept. Yeah, I got rid of my shit. Gotta go. I had another version of GURPS that had a dual slip case, sign, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I tried to play this, didn't really enjoy it. I couldn't find anyone who was interested in it. This version I knew better and I liked I liked more. Fuck it. Gone, gone, gone. I just started trimming it. And for a while, I had like GURPS Voodoo and GURPS this, GURPS that, all these different splat books and i'm like i'm not even mining these anymore i'm not looking in for data suppressed transmission and um, grips cabal and a couple others like that i use regularly by digging into them and pulling up some craziness at ken height or whomever else and they put together but i don't if i look at it i'm like i'm not even mining this for data i have no interest in running this i'm not going to do it 
then then it, it's gonna go. And the, if honestly, if I have a PDF copy of it, like you know, all the more reason that I can get rid of this hard copy, clear up some bookshelf space, and uh, and get rid of it. You know, <clears throat> the other. So let me ask you this too, Sean. When you are you a big um, sell them, get the money, or do you like to give them away? So uh, this one round that I got rid of, I think I got rid of f- at least 15 books through gaming and BS forums because I thought, well, I'm going to start with with our community. Like, hey, because oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, hey, I'll, if I get them a discount and, you know, they, they want it and appreciate it, I'll, I'll start there. I hate going on eBay to sell shit. I just, it, I dread it. I got to take pictures of it. I got to put it up online. I got to make sure the condition's fine, blah, blah, blah. And I got to hope that when they get it, their expectations of the product is what arrives and you know then you got to worry about a rating and all you know and i'm just like i i hate shipping shit if i I, and frankly the really good thing about this last round which i was severely blessed was literally when i posted all my shit probably within three days or everybody was like i will take that i will take that i'm interested in that i'm interested in this so it wasn't, it didn't go on and on forever where I was making yeah. four trips to the post office. I literally went there twice. And the only reason I went there twice was because I think one guy was like, hey, I might want to add some more stuff. So can you hold <laughs> up, good, right? That's a good problem to have. And I'm like, okay. But otherwise, I went there, I bought, I got all the freaking boxes and crap and everything. I got all the labels. I printed them all off. I slapped them on there and they were all gone. And yep. so, you know, then there's the shipping costs and how you do this and how you want to pay it and all so it is a pain in the ass. I giving it away. Like I didn't. The other option was to take it to Noble Knight, where I knew they were just gonna sock it to me. Well, they're if I wanted, man. They're if I want to, yeah. If I wanted cash, if I wanted to store credit, maybe. And then the other option was to give it away or donate it to like something. And I did donate. I mean, mm-hmm. in one box, I put in like the essentials kit, five essentials kit, two starter sets. I think that were those were the two like RPG related stuff, and I literally just gave them to Goodwill. And I'm like, if some kid or some person comes around and sees those and wonders what the hell it is, and they buy it and they get into D and D for it, I just hope they price it like for two dollars or five dollars and not yeah, like cheap, tw- not like yeah, thirty, <laughs> right. something crazy. It's not even worth twelve on Amazon. Um, great, and so that's that. I do have a box that's going to go either to Brett again because I got some more shit. Yeah, it's not one e, but I missed a couple things to give you. Oh, okay. Or, or I, I, it, it depends on how I just want to get it off and out of my house. Like I, this box has been sitting in my freaking basement for a month, man. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> Which literally, I'll tell you what, like, so, why is it, and my cat comes down here and eats the cardboard, flaps <laughs> off it, and there's cardboard laying all over my floor. We're getting that in a minute. So one of the things that I like doing, honestly, is when I want to purge something. Sometimes I pick it up and it makes me think of somebody. I'm like, this is really cool. There you was somebody like in the this? chat like, that like, said, like I said my my uh, yeah. my when I said my the Rollmaster stuff, the first two box sets for that. Well, you know who loves this? My buddy Nick. If I put this on Nick's shelf, every time he walks by, he's gonna smile. Well, I gave you, you a shit ton. I hope you're smiling. Fuck yeah, dude. This yeah, is I a gave shelf Brett over like there. a lot. Fifty like, pounds of stuff. Yeah, it was like by the AD and D by the pound. Yeah, yeah. it's a ton. It's awesome. I'm still going through Dragon magazines, and I love every minute of it. But that because I something- know Brett is going to eat that shit up. Like I don't. Yeah. That's another thing about not like donating. I don't know if anybody will appreciate it if they find it in a goodwill. Like I don't want to put my good. first edition shit in there and like. 
you know. What's this? And it gets burned or tossed or Yeah, and it looks like crap or somebody rummages through it. But if I get it to Brett and he's going to eat it up, great. And that's one of the cool things that um, that selling the BSers, or even if you do go to a Noble Knight or something, or then it, you know at least gamers are buying it, and that's that is kind of cool. The other thing too, before I lose this, is that when you start doing this, when you start getting rid of stuff, it's kind of fun. Once you, at least for me, when I get in a groove and I'm like, I'm clean, and my kids and my wife, what are like, else oh can I give away? Like, yeah, well, what else is he throwing <laughs> out? Quit throwing out my stuff. Throw out your shit, you know. Hey, do you need this? What's this table for? Do we need this car? You know, you start you start purging shit. I will go on a clothing purge periodically, and I'm like, to your point, like I don't remember the last time I wore this t-shirt. It doesn't it's gone. Fit. This Gotta is go. stupid. I, yeah. have, I I've never worn a large. I've been an XL guy. Why did I? Why do I have a t-shirt that's a size large? This is stupid. Gone. But when you get into get rid of the books and moving along, there is something to be said about you get in a groove. And there's something very uh, fulfilling about completing the task. Like, hey, I said I was going to purge this out. Look at that, man. Half my stuff is gone. And the the main thing after at the end of this now, here's the here's the kicker question, Sean. Have you gotten rid of anything that you're like, I wish I never got rid of that? Nope. Is it, no? No. You serious? No. I'm no. just talking RPGs here. I'm not talking about girlfriends or cats. I'm talking about, right. <laughs> I'm talking about things that matter. RPGs no. here. So. No, I haven't sat down and and thought. Oh my God, where is my second edition AD and D? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh my God, I gave it away. Well, how could I give that, that away? Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Oh my God, Chad up in Wausau has it because I found it at Evercon. Didn't even know I gave it to him. Isn't that's the crazy thing? Yeah, that's I don't funny. know for so, oh, yeah. some of those that don't know this story. Years ago, when I first met Brett, he asked me like if I was gonna get you know I was gonna get rid of some stuff, and he's like, "Hey, if you if you're thinking about, it, let me know." And then I I mentioned to him my second edition AD, and I'm like, "I don't really play it." It's like I might have somebody that wants to buy it, and I got in with Chad Knight. He was on yep. our show. Yep. Chad, but so fast forward like literally three years, yeah, and I go to EverCon for the first time ever. Yes. And I play at Chad's table. Yeah. Because he's playing, he's gonna run an AD and D game, second edition. And he goes, here, gives me the book because I'm like playing a spellcaster and I need some spells. He gives me the book and I look through the book and for whatever reason, I p- flip the page, like the back cover or inside cover, and there's my name. <laughs> like, motherfucker, Sean Kelly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the hell bring happened? This with. I'm like, the first thought of my head was, I didn't bring this with me. <laughs> How did Chad get my book? <laughs> Literally uh, forgot I sold the book to him three years earlier. And so part of me is like, you think that if I give this away and I haven't touched it in two years, oh my God, what if, what if I need it? Brett is going to call me tomorrow and run second edition AD&D for like a two-year campaign. I need these books. No, I don't think no, they could get you into a two, second edition two-year-long campaign. I don't think that would happen. Like, no, I didn't. And the thing is, is once they're gone, that's another, that's the thing. Once they're gone... There is, there is, I mean, my pers- me personally, there is a bit of like this relief that for whatever reason, it's not there and I'm not concerned with it. I don't open it up and go, oh, what is all this bullshit? Because that's the kind of sometimes I was getting. Open up the bookshelf. Oh, God, I'm never going to play it. I'm never going to play it. But I want to get rid of it because uh, you never know when you're going to need it. And it could be worth like a million dollars in 500 years. <laughs> You know, yeah. or whatever that's, it is. Like, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah. I remember that's my old one. group, you know, and, you know, the, the, so whatever reason, I get mm-hmm. rid of it. And I, I, you know, Brett, I 
every once in a while, I will maybe think, oh, I'll, I'll open up my cabinet and grab that book because I think that that contains something. Yeah. And it might not be there. And then I'll go, oh, I got my, I must have got rid of it. Yep. But the I'm only- not, I don't. I don't pound it. I don't regret it. It doesn't linger. Yeah. I don't like, oh, fucking son of a bitch. Like, like, There's, there was one thing from the move that I went, oh, my God, I lost it. And that's I was more mad about that. I have, I have to your point, I have never, I have not looked back and said, boy, I had, a, I had a Pendragon box that I should have kept that. Should have, should have, man. Oh, it's it's like, I, I think it's on eBay for like a $1,000 number. Prob- probably. I actually, yeah. I, <clears throat> I made more on it than I what I paid for it anyway. But um, point is, is it, uh, I lost. I thought I had lost. I found it. This um, the only expansion for this weird ass dark cults card game. It's it, it's it's hard to find, and I I'm the only person I know that has that that had that expansion. I'm like, God damn, did I lose that in my move? It's a it's this little leaflet thing. Fuck, I I could have thrown it out on action. Ah, I kicked myself for that. If I think I lost it, but if I gave it away, sold it, I'm like, oh, whatever. It really hasn't burdened me at all. I have not looked back. Um, I was a little nervous when I got rid of Invisible Sun. Then I'd be like, oh, that was expensive. You're going to wish you hadn't done that. You just got rid of this expensive thing. You took a bath on it. Oh, you dumb fucker. I don't care. Honestly, until we were talking about today, I completely forgot to even back the thing. <laughs> I had to check before the show. I'm like, do I still have PDFs? I think I still have PDFs of that. Ah, oh, PDFs of that. Because my hard drive is basically <clears throat> just full of gaming crap. You know? There but were, I don't. I I don't look back and go. Oh boy, I should have had. I I have not had that problem. There Maybe were I'm just lucky. Some games because I'd moved around, man. I I my mm-hmm. my I went to three high schools. Yes, you did. Okay, and I joined the military twice. Okay, so I moved then, and I had I lived in uh, a house with a few buddies of mine twice. Like left came back moved back so in. many so many opportunities to have everything you own go missing <laughs> so when you do that you got to put your shit somewhere and you're like okay you're and then it lands in the hands of your mom or dad and they sell it or give it away and they're making room and you're like oh my god they get rid of all my D shit but for literally a few years i'm like whatever happened to my star trek fasa game my top secret game like i don't they must have got lost, and I wrote it off until, like, literally one day my dad was like, hey, man, I want to clean my basement, and you got some shit over here. I'm like, okay, well, I'll oh, come over yeah. and check it out. Me, I'll this. come over and check it out. Son and in bitch. this box trapper was, keepers. like, the Trapper Keepers, trapper back keepers <laughs> and my fastest Star Trek game, my top secret game, my fa- and I took a picture of it. I'm like, oh, my God. So when you found it, did you think, I'm going to keep this, or did you think, I'm going to get rid of this? So I still have this Star Trek FASA box. I still have the Starship Combat Simulator box. I still have this. I got the Top Secret game, even though I think I bought a different copy and had Merle sign that. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Rasmussen. And, but now I have those, and I'm like, why do I have? Like, I'm not going to play these either. <laughs> why, why aren't these FASA games? This but I didn't think. I Car Wars I was in there. I have, like, these uh, yeah. cases for Car Wars. I'm not going to buy Car Wars. Car Wars. Car Wars is a shitty game. Well, I'm going to play freaking that other Gaslands. That's yeah, better. Yeah. You know, oh, they're having a Kickstarter for Car Wars too. Uh, I don't care. I mean, I'll play Gaslands, and then I don't yeah. even play Gaslands. <laughs> well, if I was going to do it, I'd play this other game I never play. Right. <laughs> what? Right. How many copies of a game you never play do you need? Yeah. So some of those things I, I've kept, like Top Secret SI, and so they're kind of tucked away, and I'm kind of thinking like, well, I don't even need these. I got every spot. You know, there's so there's these things that I'm like. <sighs> I'm never going to play these. Why do I fucking have them? 
And but, you know, some people say when I look at them, I'll remember all the games that I ever played with yep. Jeff in Star Trek. And you know what? I can't remember a single session of Star Trek we ever gamed when I was 13 when I played fastest Star Trek. Not a single session. That's because you're older than me. Mine's going. <laughs> I'm older than I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Four days ago, asked my Forbidden Lands group. <laughs> but I tell you what, though. I think the other thing that when you go through a purge like that and you start cleaning things out and you're moving things, one of the things that happens, at least I'm seeing it, when you bought, I bought some barroom, some barroom, whenever the fucker shows Sim up, room, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Forbidden Lands and those things, I think part of the process, at least so far for you and I, as we've talked through this, it, it's interesting. One of the, uh, the kind of end results of this is I'm getting pickier with what I buy. I know what I like, and I am not afraid to try new things. I would, I will be happy to play Forbidden Lands. Sean, when you're done with this campaign, I want in on the next one. I want to try it. Yeah, sure. I want to try it. All right. And it might be a game I end up buying because, wow, that was fun. I'll buy that. I had a good time. I'll get it. But I think, um, I, I think I'm getting pickier with certain things. Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers are Hyperborea. I have that. I love the setting. I love what Talanian did with it. I always had a good had a good time. I it just got it. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. I have enough Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff right now. I honestly don't see a need for me to ever buy another DCC module adventure or rule book. I'm set. And I don't play it often enough. I'm not a Jen Brinkman where I'm like always you know blown into this space where it's so much all the time and whatnot. I have enough. I could run Christ, I could run a number of different campaigns as often as I hit that game. I'm set. So I've also I've changed my version of what complete means for some of these games when I have them. I love picking up <clears throat> Middle Earth role playing, the old Merp system by Iron Crown. I still like that game. I have a lot of fun with it whenever I get a chance to bring it out. My friends play it with me, my kids play it with me. Um so every once in a while I find a Swick had a had a couple pieces. So Papa Swick sold me something, or we traded back and forth. Hey, I'll give you this, you give me that. <clears throat> That's great. I had some shit I didn't want that he wanted. He had shit he didn't want that I wanted done um but my complete in that space is pretty is pretty tight and i think that <clears throat> that helps curb the uh curb the desire to fill the shelf i mean my back. my goal is to get a lot of shit that's in my on my shelf to the table even if it is a single one shot like feng shui i'm dying to run that thing i have no absolute understanding of how it works at all but I want to get it to the table because it sounds like a blast that I know gonna, I can get BSers to play it in a one shot. They'll be like, hell yeah, man, let's freaking fire that sucker up. Well, so there is a, well, a play genuine Big Trouble drive. Little China at the table. Fuck yeah, play yeah. Big Trouble Little China. There is a genuine drive for me to get, okay, so every <clears> book that I have in here, I want to play, like Knights Black Agents. I got that, all that shit, and I haven't played a, a dime of it yet. And I'm got to get it to the table. Alien, what's the other one? Uh, you know, Delta Green, I've got off, you know, check that off. I got to get rid of some Savage Worlds first edition stuff. I got some first ed- deluxe edition rules. They got to go because I'm going to run suede. I don't need the old shit. So there's just some of yep. these things where it's like I got to get to the table. I thought, see, Knights Black Agents won. Feng Shui's been bothering me. I have uh, some cyberpunk. I got to get off the table, uh, off the shelf. You know, so it's, I'm going to make a concerted effort to at least run one shot or play in some of those games, so I if nothing else, so I don't look at it and go, "Yep, it's been sitting there for five years, and I've never touched it, and never going to play it." So what the hell? Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. If if nothing else, you can say I played it, hated it, it's gone. Played yeah, exactly. it, loved it, it stays. You know. Yeah, I get you. Absolutely. 
All right, man. I think we beat the hell out of this one. We did, man. Pound it. Shit. All right, folks. Let's move on. Let's go die roll. Let's do that. Let's die roll. Two to 40 miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you. Uh, so we will start out with the theme of the show, which is stuff and RPG stuff. So if you're going to get, if you're contemplating getting rid of stuff or maybe even swapping stuff, like maybe you don't get rid of the stuff that you don't like and get the stuff that you do. Go to the forums, uh, gamingabs.com forward slash forums. We have a buy, sell, swap. So give it to a BSer that, give it, swap it out with a BSer or sell it to a BSer that's going to get it to the table or appreciate it. There's one option and it's community, you know. Yeah, do it. It's a good place right. to go. Uh, first one, Snazzy Maps. Thanks to the GM, some call Jason on the forums. So Snazzy Maps is a place that you want to check out. Yeah, it's got some snazzy, like the name, snazzy maps. <laughs> um, second one, Coyote and Crew, a Kickstarter that has gone absolutely, utterly gangbusters. It's been posted on our forums as well. Matt Mercer's backing it. Um, that is at like, that was like a 10,000 hour level and there you got 300k oh this is um it's a science fiction fancy tabletop rpg set in the near future where american uh, where the americas excuse me were never colonized and cr- is created by a team of uh, natives yes 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 cool. ends april 1st as of this recording so go ahead and check it out i have to think the you fact it that, afterwards but the fact that a game that has coyote in it the trickster ends on april fool's day is Fucking brilliant! Oh, their part. I don't nice know how many. I don't. Egg. I think that's a wonderful little piece. I don't, if they didn't mean that, I, I'm gonna believe they did because that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Next one: Awakening Lair, the Dark Forest Kickstarter. Thanks to Akadokin who print, uh, posted that one. Uh, I don't. Ha- I don't know for whatever reason why I didn't put when it ends. I think it's a little sooner than the other one. I'm checking. Hold tight. This one, um, 16 days to go as of today. As of March 8th, 2021, we have 16 days to go. Yeah. They're so close. They're, they're not over the edge. They're at um, about 3,500. They need 5K. Yeah. I've been told the uh, Coyote and crew is over 400K now. So <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, huge demand. That's nice. Good to <clears throat> see that. So that's see, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Otherwise, I didn't have anything else for die roll. Me either, man. What are we talking about next? Brett is, he's got the next, like, seven shows mapped out. <laughs> yeah, I'm working, like, I'm working on it, trying to hold up my end for a change. See, Sean, <laughs> Sean has agreed to help me get an Av- Streets of Avalon website set up, so I'm like, the least I can do is get my ass in gear and get, get the next, you know, seven, eight shows lined out. So we posted out. this one in advance. We- VC's like 404 error. I'm like, that's because we haven't recorded it, man. man. <laughs> uh, somebody requested we put them up in advance so people could comment them and then we could talk about it on the show during yep. the episode we actually record. Yep. That's why I put it up there. So, so anyway, we're going to talk about what game changed how you play. Um, listener, I believe it was Blake Ryan asked us that question. And I thought in this kind of, I'm, I'm trying to theme some of this stuff up because I think some of these pieces fall on top of. So from this question... Uh, around what we keep, what we get rid of, just thoughts around it. We're going to talk about games that changed how we play. We're going to talk about a couple games that I think are pretty influential for Sean and I, and then we'll get into some other stuff. So, But we're kind of um, thinking of theming it up a little bit around here, see how it goes. Interesting. I don't That's a tough one for me to think about. Yeah. Because I don't change. I, I run know. every game. I'm it's like the Brad. same, Sean. I run every it's game the same. <laughs> <laughs> 
dick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fred doesn't do that. All right. kind of do. I kind of So thanks, everybody, for joining us this evening. I really appreciate it. Love seeing everybody in the chat. Uh, and if you would like to see a live recording of Gaming Your Best, check us out every Monday night, 8 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv. Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. Otherwise, you can catch this audio version in your pod catcher of choice. Otherwise, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This episode of Gaming and BS. Produced with help from the following BSers. Brian Kurtz, Corey Welch, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Aaron Coleman, Adam Grotejohn, Andy Hall, Andy Olson, Angus Awal Trooper, Brian Rumble, Chad Glayman, Chris Shore, Chris Steele, Christopher Lang, Colcago, Corey Gonzalez, Craig, Craig Huber, Craig Shipment, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Daniel Garrett, David F. Baylog, Ed Nyes, Eric Avia, Eric Salzwido, Eric Frankhaus, Eric Tavola, George Sedgwick, Ghost GM, Harrigan, Henry Newcomb, Howard Bishop, Host Carl, Isaiah Aries Christian, Jared Rasher, Jason Hobbs, Jay Plata, Jeff Go, Jeff Seifert, Jim Fitzpatrick, Jim Ingram, Joe Swick, John Kayward, Josh Wallace, Kevin Keneally, Laramie Wall, Larry Hout, Larry Hollis, Mark Richman, Mark DeSaka, Melissa Bashinsky, Michael O'Holland, Mike Coleman, Mike Hess Jr., Miniature Master, Mirko Froelich, Niall Diamond, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Old School DM, Orcus Dorcus, Perry Besor, Phil McClory, Pure Mongrel, Quigley Malcolm, Ray Otis, Rich Wishon, Robert Nemeth, Roger Braslett, Roger French, Ron Bishop, Rory Weston, Sky, Stefan Dragonspawn, Tendrils, The Duke in Purple, Todd Sharp, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Wayne Peacock, Aaron Relia, and Curtis Takahashi. Hey, if you're looking to try new games or meet new people, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash games. It'll take you to a forum post where you can find a spreadsheet and some details about how to sign up for games. As of this recording, we have over 45 games being offered on our online spreadsheet and forums. So try something new today. Meet some new people. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.